welcome to Trek Companion, episode 131. I am your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And we welcome you to our annual holiday episode. This is holiday 2015. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Um, excuse my, I, I have a cold in another part of the holidays, I suppose. But um, I always I always look forward to I look forward to these episodes where we can kind of just talk whatever we want. If you, as I always say, if uh, if you are only interested in our um, episode review podcasts, I totally respect that. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, but if you think <laughs> that we might occasionally have something interesting to say about other topics, this is the episode for you. Um we are going to later, not yet, don't worry, later we are going to have a, a, a big spoiler filled, as there will be lots of spoilers. There will be Star Wars spoilers in our Star Wars spoiler conversation. <laughs> uh, we're going to have a spoilery Star Wars conversation a little bit later in the podcast. It's, I'm going to make it easy for you because it's going to be the last thing. So you can listen to us if you haven't seen Star Wars yet. You can listen to this episode up until the moment when I say again spoiler 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 star wars star wars star wars and then you can stop the podcast but if you've seen star wars uh i think it was a fantastic discussion we recorded it already actually uh it's the three of us along with a couple of outstanding um star wars specialists i think uh and they were both fabulous and we had a great conversation and and um, I look forward to you all hearing that. Uh, but before we do that, and again, you'll have many, many notices. If you haven't seen Star Wars, you will want to stop the podcast later. But right now, you're okay. Uh, I just really quickly, um, I wanted to ask if you guys have... Because last year, we just did... Um, we did do a, like a... I think that was when the last Hobbit movie came out. And we did a, a little bit of a Hobbit discussion and then we went into um favorite movies of the year and i probably let us go on way too long at that so this year i want to do that again but we're going to limit it to like three things you can pick you can talk about three things and that's it um oh by the way and if you wanted to hear our thoughts on the first star trek beyond trailer uh that we we when we have our star wars discussion later that's actually how that's going to begin um so haven't forgotten about that okay so, um, Steve, yes. let's, let's do, you guys have more than one thing? Because then maybe we'll just do one each and we'll come back. Sure, yeah. sure. Okay, Steve, why don't you pick, uh, are, you, are you doing your favorite movies, TV shows? What are you, what are you doing? Uh, movies, I think. Movies. Okay, so start at number three. We'll, we'll, each one of us will just work down. Well, to be honest, I didn't really rank them, didn't and I figured you, there are certain ones you won or ones you would say for sure, so I kind of didn't do it okay, that way. But start at a, a <laughs> random <laughs> place well i definitely wanted to mention uh the well i guess now the second to newest pixar film inside out um i really enjoyed that that was one of the best pixar films yet um i, th I think it's one of those films that uh it's kind of rare where you think it's kind of like everybody should see it not because like this is a great movie everybody should see it but the the message portrayed in the film is so universal not only should children see it but adults should see it because i think we lose track of you know how our minds develop and how 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 we become who we are um, 
from you know infancy all the way through adulthood, and I thought it was well done. It was very entertaining as well. What I what I love so much about that, and the, maybe this will be an even faster discussion if we have the same movies on our list, because that that was gonna that's my number two for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so blown away by Inside Out, and part of it there's like there's a couple one part of it was was shock because. I wouldn't say I'd written off Pixar, but it's been a long, you know, mm-hmm. they had a streak. Yeah. Probably absolutely unprecedented for a studio. I can't think of anybody else that consistently made such great movies for so many in a row for so many years, you know. Uh, and then they started, I don't remember what, maybe Cars 2 was the first one of theirs that wasn't very good. Um, and, and then they've had, you know, stuff since then. And honestly, I, I saw a Good Dinosaur this fall, and I thought it was, you know, I mean, it was okay. At best, and maybe not, but um, but Inside Out reminded me about how good they can make mm-hmm. a movie when they're firing on all cylinders, because story is so important to them, character is so important to them, and just like you were saying, this like universal human um, condition and and um, what it means to uh, humanity, you know, it, it, it's all in there, and it's it's so. It's so amazing when you're watching it in the while you're actually watching it because if somebody just I mean from watching the trailer you know what the story is right yeah. if somebody just tells you what that story is or if you just read like a couple paragraph synopsis it's the kind of thing where you'd be like hey that could be good you know but they do it so well that it's 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 so good that you can't remember how good it was unless you're physically watching it <laughs> you know mm-hmm. it's beyond Anything you can you can imagine is in, in. I I really really was blown away. I went in there not expecting that. Never in a million years would I have guessed a Pixar movie was going to be in my top three for the year, and it sure as heck was. Yeah, that movie was phenomenal in every way that a movie can be good. That movie was good. You know, it's, you know, it's kind of weird because I have not seen that movie, but it is actually playing in the other room <laughs> as we speak How weird. right now. It's a sign. It's this crazy small world, guys. <laughs> uh, Adam, um, I didn't. I didn't make it to the theater that often this year. Um, you, gotta, but, well, you can do a TV show if you want. Well, no, no. I was just going to say, I'd, but um, I have to say, and I'm, I know this is on your list too, Brian. Um, I probably haven't been. I probably haven't enjoyed myself more in a theater in a very long time until I saw Mad Max. It was such. A fun theater experience, such a great. I saw it in IMAX, um, you know, as big a screen as you can get in Chicago. And dude, I just thoroughly enjoyed myself watching that movie. It's such a visually visual wonderland treat, whatever you want to say. Um, um, so that was my best movie experience, theater experience this year. Yeah, um, Mad Max is 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 the best movie of the year for me. It's not even a... Mad Max is the best movie I've seen in years, plural. Mad Max Fury Road is um, from another planet. <laughs> that movie is bananas. I was so, so blown away. I, I went into that movie with such sky-high expectations because of the trailers, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a fan of the original Mad Max films, and I think he's a visionary director. Um, but... I've I've never before had such sky high expectations not only met but exceeded 
in any movie in my life. <laughs> uh, that movie was absolutely bananas. It's incredible from start to finish. In I've watched it many times, actually, <laughs> quite a few times at this point. Um, yeah, it's the best movie that I've seen in years, and it's the most I've enjoyed watching a movie in many, many years. And it was, it was almost like this, this reawakening about, you know, all these things about movies that I love that movies don't, they certainly don't focus on it anymore. Um, a lot of a lot of physical stunts and things like that that are done so amazing. I mean, that's it's similar to some of the things we were talking about with with you know JJ's choices for Star Wars. Um, I I could sit here and talk for an hour about how much I loved Max. I'm not going to do that, <laughs> but I really could. It, it was it was breathtaking, incredible, amazing. Uh, that's that's a movie that I, I had goosebumps while I was watching it. Uh, as I was watching it, I was just thinking about, I'm going to watch this movie for the rest of my life. You know, <laughs> you know that movie, and it's funny. You could almost watch that movie because you don't almost don't need dialogue in it. It's could you could have the story told. Because when I watched it again on on Blu-ray when it came out, I was like, I was like, there's not a whole lot of dialogue until different parts of the movie, and I kind of felt like it was. It's almost kind of like a silent. It's just told through. Yeah. The the visual it's just visually told. You if you didn't speak English, you you'd would still have know no, what's going on. You would have no problem following the story, none at all. Yeah, yeah. That he's an absolute visionary. Um, I can't. I couldn't say enough good things about Mad Max Fury Road. If you haven't seen it, oh my gosh! Please stop our podcast and go and go, go watch now. <laughs> go yeah. rent it now. Don't rent it, buy it. <laughs> so yeah, that that's my that's my number one for the year. Um, so I guess I don't even really need a turn since you guys both picked <laughs> movies right off the top. <laughs> I'm, I am going to make a qualifier here. There are a few movies that I, I I'll say I'll save my number three here in a minute. Uh, but there are a few movies that I haven't seen that I have a feeling might actually make my list. Um, I have not yet seen The Revenant. I have not yet seen Carol. I have not yet seen Ex Machina. Um, Ex Machina, I've actually, I bought the Blu-ray the day it came out, and I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. And I bought it based purely on uh, my wife telling me. I mean, my wife knows my, my taste pretty well. I said, you're, you're, yeah. you will love this movie. Like, yeah, okay. I think you're, you're really going to enjoy it, Brian. I had yeah. it on my list. It's, um, it's, a thought, it's, it's science fiction, which is great, um, and it's thought-provoking. It's disturbing. And it's got everything, you know, it's kind of scary. Not like, you know, scary in your face, but it's just kind of, you, you know, you, it's, it's got all that really great elements of science fiction that you like to see in a movie. And well, it's, you know, it's thought-provoking, you know, the question of life and what, what is intelligent life, what, you know, artificial life. Is it life? Is it not? So, um, it's, you know, um, enjoy it. I can't remember the guy's name. The guy that did uh, District 9. Um, District 9 was my favorite movie the year it came out that movie blew me away um, and I liked his follow up movie a little bit uh, Elysium but his third movie came out this year Chappie I did not see it but you know it had some I think it had some similar themes to Ex Machina but um, everyone told me un unlike say Ex Machina which I bought 
without sight. I bought sight and scene because I heard it was so good. <laughs> Everyone told me, do not go see Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, my number three was... Excuse me. Um, my number three was The Martian until a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Martian is is pretty darn good. Um, but I I have a new number three. Bone Tomahawk. Hmm. Um, Bone Tomahawk is a western, and I admit that I am I am I have a special place in my heart for a good western. I do really like them. So they're an easier sell for me. You know, in a way, the Mad Max movies are kind of western-y, so maybe that's another reason I like those. But Bone Tomahawk is a western western. Um, and also I have a soft spot for Kurt Russell, and he plays the lead. Uh, but li- listen to this cast. Listen to this cast. Did you guys see Bone? Either you guys see Bone no, Tomahawk? I have not. Is it in theaters, or is it... Um, is it um, I think it's out of theaters now. It, it was one of those sort of indie movies, you know, that gets released in theaters and for a rental at home at the same time, but the re- the home rental is like high priced. One of those kind of things. I think it's coming to streaming services in the next month or two, like, you know, Netflix, oh. that's sort of maybe it was Hulu or Amazon, something like that. So, I mean, at this point if you haven't seen it, wait for it to come to those probably. Um, but just listen to this cast and tell me you don't want to see the movie. I, I should have looked this up before cuz I'm actually I've got it on <clears throat> okay, read, right read the read the read read the first few names for the cast who's in this we, game. I got Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, yep. Matthew Fox, uh-huh. Richard Jenkins, R- Richard Jenkins, awesome. Jenkins. Lily Simmons. Yeah, I don't the female. I wasn't familiar. Evan, um, Jolie, Nikki, David Arquette. David Arquette. Yeah, um, I love Patrick Wilson because. Uh, um, I know he. I think he's a TV guy, maybe, but but you know, for me, he was, he was, uh, you know, the Alan Watchman. He was so great in Watchmen. I mean, he really was awesome in Watchmen, and I I like that movie, a lot. Um, Richard Jenkins is one of the greatest, certainly one of the character actors. I that term always sounds so derogatory, mm-hmm. um, but he's you know he's one of the greatest actors of all time. Richard Jenkins is, you know, you get goosebumps watching that guy sometimes. He's so good. Um, Matthew Fox is awesome. He's really good. Um, and then, yeah, Kurt Russell. Um, yeah, you see that. Watch the trailer. You see those guys, and tell me you don't want to watch the movie. I will. I will. I will qualify one thing. It is. It is um, not for kids. I don't want to give anything away, but um, it's it's uh, it's rather it's graphic. A- it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Uh, so. There are things in that movie that you cannot like unsee once you see them. All <laughs> but, right. No, it's it's fantastic, and it was just one of those. Uh, you know, I, again, I admit I'm an easy sell when it comes to a western, but um, it it just it the story had me. It's a little bit of like a heart of darkness kind of thing, you know, like dissension um, kind of thing. Um, but I won't say any more. Just check it out. It's really good. Really, really good. Um, so yeah, but uh, the 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 Martian was um, that's my number three runner-up. Again, with the caveat that I haven't seen a couple of other movies I mentioned. Did you guys see the Martian? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. 
It's pretty good. I did, yeah, I really enjoyed The Martian. It was really good. First great Ridley Scott movie in many years. Yeah. For me. Can you believe that guy? He's like almost, I think he's 79 now, maybe wow. 78 at least. And he's making a movie like The Martian. That's yeah, he's still going strong. Yeah. Um, I didn't care for his um, Gods and Kings movie. But that's kind of the Moses remake. But oh, the Exodus but, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he hasn't. I'm I'm trying to think if there's been anything since Kingdom of Heaven, director's cut that I really liked. So it's been a long. I mean, it's you been didn't a like Prometheus. Um, I like kind of the the design of it and stuff. I, it's a movie that if you watch it a second or a third time, it really starts to just not work. Um, but you know, it had enough going for it. Michael Fassbender's awesome. Mm-hmm. Watch him do anything. Um, actually, though, you know, now that I say that, if I had to pick one movie that was biggest disappointment for me this year, it might be Steve the Steve Jobs movie. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's not terrible, but it's not. It, it, it's it's bizarre. It's it's just a bizarre movie that made bizarre. I read that book. I read many books about Jobs, but I certainly read that book that I um, Isaacson's book that. Um, Aaron Sorkin based the screenplay on and like who reads that Isaacson book and comes away with oh this is the man I mean who comes away with those stories it's like he focuses uh, Sorkin focuses on on Jobs you know the one daughter which I mean that's that's part of his life that's a story but it's like it's one tiny tiny part of this huge book and this huge life and why do you focus on that it was just bizarre it was weird <clears throat> okay, we have to stop soon because our Star Wars conversation is like an hour. Um, although in years past, our holiday episodes were incredibly lengthy. Um, <laughs> really fast. Is, uh, what's your favorite TV show on right now? Well, the what I I like the I like the Marvel's Agents of Shield, and then they're about to start um, Agent Carter season I'm, two. Season two. So I really enjoy those. They're fun. Those are the one things that I do watch every week. And I've been trying to sit down and watch Daredevil on Netflix because I've got some buddies in Chicago who keep oh, you have to watch Daredevil. So, but um, I tried last night, and long story short, I wasn't able to. But um, I've been enjoying the Marvel shows. I'm, I'm not watching a whole lot currently. You know, as I mentioned, we've been catching up with Breaking Bad because everyone says such good things but uh, we're about ready to finish season four so we're uh, getting through that and it's awesome watching it in uh, 4K and stuff so um, yeah I don't have much comment on that I guess yeah alright okay um, probably my, my the show I'm enjoying watching the most right now that's currently in production maybe is Elementary I, I really like that show I like it a lot. Um, it's got some Star Trek guys behind the camera on that one. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to vinyl. I know you don't like HBO, but I'm looking forward to that. That starts in a couple months. Mm-hmm. That's um, Scorsese and Mick Jagger teaming up. Well, that sounds cool. I'm looking you don't forward... Get, and I'm looking forward to Game of Thrones, even though you don't like that show. Either. Yeah, I don't give a show. I am looking forward <laughs> to... Um, the last, the final season of Downton Abbey. That's a great show. Yeah, and um, yeah, okay. Uh, all right. 
last thing we're going to do before we don't worry i'm still going to give you a, i'm going to give you a heads up if you haven't seen star wars i'm going to i'm going to tell you when to stop not yet you can keep listening no spoilers yet <laughs> no spoilers yet um the last thing was because uh, a listener asked um we're going to talk each one of us maybe just spend a couple of minutes talking about as much or as little as you want about maybe what you do outside of this podcast, like maybe what your job is, if you want, um, or your hobbies or where people could find other things about you. I know I've got a little section, like if you go to our, our Podbean page, I've got an about section where I have links to like Steve, like your music, for example, I think is in there, but you know, for the people that don't, know where that is and it is a pain to find um yeah let's just do that um adam why don't you go first okay well um i live in the chicago um chicago and i am a um, on-demand content producer for the comcast network in chicago so if you're not living in the chicago area you'll probably have a hard time seeing any of the stuff that i do we do have um youtube channels through comcast that you can see that stuff at um I'll give that stuff to Brian later on, and he can put it on our page if anybody's interested. But you can find basically what I do is I um, I do a lot of stuff. I I shoot with a camera, I edit, um, I produce stuff, which basically involves making a lot of phone calls and putting crews together. It's mostly um, high school sports. We put together, we cover high school games. Um, we put together high school shows. I just recently won an Emmy for producing um, my high school show last year so that was a lot of fun um i also get to do, do a lot of work with the chicago bears and chicago cubs on their um community service content so if the chicago cubs have for example if they're doing a charity event we go cover it and we go and talk to the players and people there and we put it together for um on demand and virtually mo- about 90 percent of the stuff that I, I work on does go on comcast on demand um and if you want to see more of what i do um probably the best way is through Twitter. It's just at Adam Caesar. Pretty easy, and that's pretty much pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah. And congratulations on that 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 Emmy. That was awesome. Thank awesome. you. Thank you, Steve. Yeah. So well, I'm going to my day job. It's pretty uh, ordinary, but too complex to explain. So, uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I have. Uh, my brother and I have a band uh, called The Solution. Actually, we have two bands, uh, The Solution and also a Christmas band called 1225. I believe there's links on the page, but uh, we're at thesolutionmusic.com and 1225.com. That's written out 12, number two, <laughs> written out 5.com. Um, and like there's Facebook and Twitter for those as well. It's facebook.com slash thesolutionmusic. And Facebook.com slash twelve two five and at the solution band for Twitter and at twelve two five. So we do the so the solution is electro pop. We've been doing it basically our whole lives essentially. And twelve two five is Christmas music. We also have uh, some. We hope uh, the solution. We hope to finish an album early mid part of this up next year. It's been a while since we've come out with a new album. And uh, we've we got a couple blog pages. I know my brother's tech page links from our solution page. It's called Adam's Tech Blog. And then we just started a more uh, fun v- variety kind of blog page called the Embry Brothers Blog. Embry is spelled E-M-B-R-E-E. And uh, there's only one story up there right now, but it is timely. I wrote it a couple weeks back. It's basically what I personally would pay for the 
objects in the 12 days of Christmas, not like their intrinsic value or whatever. And so it's a kind of an entertainment thing. So if you want to check that out, um, that's the Embry Brothers blog dot blogspot dot com. Um, don't know. Any, I live in the Kansas City area, and I'm married and have a child coming in the summer. So Woo-hoo! congratulations, congratulations about that. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I had toyed with the idea of us maybe doing a panel in San Diego at Comic Con in um, you know uh, was it July. Early July or late June, you know, whenever they do come, come. Uh, you know, for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek, I thought maybe that we need to have a podcast panel or whatever. Right? Um, but way, way, way better than that <laughs> is Steve Embry having a child, and we would never do such a podcast panel without him. So we have we have, we're abandoning those plans, and I and I couldn't be happier about abandoning those plans. <laughs> I, I, I really mean that. Very, very, very happy. Um, but I, I do have. Uh, I did get my tickets for the, uh, uh, the creation, August 2016 Star Trek 50th anniversary, uh, Las Vegas convention. I'm just. I'm, I mean, you know, just as a normal consumer guy going there, as a Star Trek fan going there, and we're not doing anything there or anything like that. Um, so I will be there at least. Uh, I'm going to be doing that for sure. Um, uh, for me, um, let's see, my sort of day job is, I work about three, on average, you know, it's, it changes here and there, but depending on the workload, um, three days a week-ish at a post-production house, so, you know, for, mostly for in, indie film, but occasionally for television, um, uh, we've been delivering some Nickelodeon shows and some stuff to Lifetime lately, but, but mostly it's... Most of our work are, is indie film. Um, we are just finishing up a big action movie right now. That's been that's been really fun. Uh, and then I work two or three days at home um, per week at home on freelance, doing similar kind of things for you know clients uh, that I do at my day joby place, um, and. You can find some of my work, um, some of my editing work, and and some of my old music, which is still a hobby of mine, but not as serious about it, obviously, as, as Steve is. You can find a lot of that stuff uh, on my website, which is magi1500.com, which is magi1500.com. Um, I haven't up... I, I've been trying to, like... Uh, this I'm starting this summer. I tried to update that website. So there's there are some newer um, editing samples and some new some trailers that I cut recently and stuff like that on there. Um, I'm planning to do a blog on there. <laughs> I put an old movie review of mine on there. Um, so that's that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know that there's still a part of me that thinks a lot about uh, making my own movie. I definitely feel completely technically qualified to do that at this point. Um, I'll still, I still, I still, still feel like I probably will do that. But um, I live here in Los Angeles, in my uh, lovely home with my lovely wife and lovely four-year-old son. And uh, this is actually our first Christmas in this new house of ours, which we love so much and never plan to move again. Sure. So very excited about that. Very, very. Um, very content, like, you know, turn on the fireplace, sit down, pet the cat, 
<laughs> content, you know? So very happy, very happy about that. Um, my son uh, is four and a half. He turned four this summer. We started this podcast um, when we recorded our first episode ever. My wife was about as far along as Steve's wife is now. You know, so mm-hmm. think about that. It's that's pretty cool. And here we are, halfway through the Star Trek shows. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, Brian, you'd make a fine director. I've worked with you as you were a director before. So. Oh, right, college. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when I when I updated my website this summer, I finally took off the college movies. I think <laughs> they're not on there anymore. I'm still proud of them, but they do look like college movies. Um, all right. So that's wow. That's 30 minutes. If you're if you're still listening to us, thank you. Wow. Um, okay. On to Star Wars. Here's a, I, I can't do it like that's my that's my spoiler horn. If you have <laughs> not seen Star Wars: The Force Awakens, stop the podcast. I'm going to say that again, and then I'm going to say it again. Well, Brian, we, we, we talk about the Star Trek trailer first, so we do start talk about the Star Trek trailer, but um, just save it. Come back to it after you see Star Wars, okay? Because I'm I I don't I don't know exactly how I, I what is it like two or three minutes Probably. we talked about start see I don't even want to guess it's not worth the risk don't take the risk <laughs> come back and listen to this podcast after you've seen Star Wars if you have not seen Star Wars The Force Awakens stop the podcast if you have seen Star Wars The Force Awakens but you haven't seen Star Trek Beyond uh, Beyond's first trailer why are you listening to a Star Trek podcast but uh, <laughs> go watch that trailer uh, before you listen to our discussion. All right, we're going to come back after this conversation for a very quick goodbye and happy holidays. But without further ado, here is the completely spoiler filled discussion of Star Wars The First Awakens. So here we are. Uh, we've got your intrepid, normal uh, Trek companion podcasters. Brian, Steve, and Adam, but we also have two guests joining us to talk Star Wars. First is uh, Brian McCaughey. Say hello, Brian. Hi there. Brian runs a company called Double Plus Good, which you can find on the web at doublepluscood.com. DPG edits trailers for film and television, among other things. They do awesome work. I've uh, been friends with Brian for years. He is an all-around good guy and a friend of the show. (laughs) Dominique Nardi. Dom, say hi. May the force be with you. (laughs) <laughs> is a political scientist, uh, political scientist, political science PhD candidate at the University of Michigan, and he's done consulting work in Southeast Asia. You can find his sci-fi reviews on his blog, Nardi Views, at domnardireviews.wordpress.com. Okay, so first, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking. I assume we've all now seen the Star Trek Beyond trailer. This is the first footage that any of us have seen. I, I, technically, I assumed it was going to be a teaser because it's the, it's the movie is, what, seven months out, and this is the first time we've seen it. Um, but there was a lot of footage in there, and I think that might be... I mean, I'll give you guys a chance here in just a second, but you know me, I am uh, verbose and eager. Uh, so my, my concerns when I was watching it were... I don't see a lot of like uh, vision here. I don't see a lot of just visually. I wasn't like blown away. On the other hand, it's seven months out. I can't even imagine like the little the the few effects things they had in there. They must have like been you know um, 
planning this so far in advance just so they could try and have him in the in this teaser but and they showed so much it was like 90 seconds long stock full of footage um so it, it was way more than i would expect to see at this point so on that so uh, you know on one hand i can kind of excuse some of that um and I, but i can't help but also say i have to preface this even if i thought it looked bad and i didn't think that i'm just saying i i didn't think it looked amazing i wasn't blown away by it but on the other hand I was seeing Star Trek footage for the first time and I couldn't help but have a smile on my face. You know, I can't help that. This is a Star Trek podcast, even if we're about to, to discuss Star Wars in, in detail. Uh, what were some of your guys' first thoughts? Um, yeah, I think I kind of felt the same way, Brian. Um, I wasn't blown away. I'm, it's like you said, it's seven months out. I, this trailer was probably, probably rushed a little bit. Um, our trailer expert can, can maybe add to that a little bit, how fast these things get put out and how they work it. Maybe they just had to get something really quick for Star Wars. You know, this is a, you know, JJ's thing, and obviously he's working on Star Wars and Star Trek, and that's probably the only reason we did have a Star Trek trailer on Star Wars, or at least released um, around the same time Star Wars came out. Um, formulaically, it kind of looked similar to the, to me, it kind of looked similar to the other movies, you know, you have something a little bit on the planet, you have a little bit on space, um, so I'm Poor hoping... Poor Enterprise I'm destroyed again. <laughs> yeah, the Enterprise, and what, you know, we'll kind of get into that, we'll get into this a little bit with the Star Wars discussion, um, and I'll just mention this here real quick. We'll see what happens next summer, but the Millennium Falcon was a character in this last Star Wars film, um, whereas I don't feel like Enterprise has been a character in any of J.J.'s films, so... I hope I'm incorrect about that for next summer, but I, I just I, I didn't like seeing the Enterprise get the holy hell beat out of it again. Again, yeah. Uh, Dom, what did you think? Well, I, I think I share the general sentiment, and since we're talking, we're going to talk about Star Wars later. I think it's actually fair to compare the Star Wars Force Awakens teaser trailer that came out in 2014 with what we got with Star Trek Beyond, because. One of the things you hear about the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies is that, oh, well, they're more like Star Wars. But I've never gotten that sense. And if you compare the trailers, the first Star Wars Force Awakens trailer was not just back wall-to-wall action scenes. It was about characters. It was about emotions. And the first full trailer that aired in October, again, it was about characters. Kylo Ren, Rey, Finn. We were learning about these people. Yeah, there was certainly no marketing for Star Wars when I thought, that's a music video. I thought exactly. that about the Star Trek Beyond trailer. I exactly. never thought that for any of the Star, Star Wars stuff. Exactly. So I, I'm, I kind of, I, again, we can't judge the film by the trailer, but I'd like to see the trailers and the film try to, try to, try to excite us about the characters as well and excite us about the story and the emotions and not just the action my, if I if I had to add in something, which and all I can say is, our company makes it works on it's worked on the home video campaign for every J.J. Abrams Star Trek film, and there's nothing no reason to believe that we won't have a have a part in in this one when it does get you know make its way to home video, but um, but I would say that I think that if I had to guess why they're taking that approach, it's two things. Is one is to show off that it is very they they want to distance themselves from Star Trek into darkness. Um, and this trailer does that. And the other thing I could say is that it's probably very much in their interest to try to show that this is Justin Lin's Star Trek, and that that and because he's been so successful with what he did with it, with uh, coming into another franchise that he didn't start. Uh, my guess is that that's the goal is to try to, sh- to, to highlight those two aspects of it first, and then probably 
go on into something that's a little more Star Trekky, as what's it, Scotty so would you, say. Well, see, you know, I kind of felt like this was a Into Darkness trailer. It's just because you know the movie Into Darkness. Uh, you know, I think we can all agree that we. Well, I think we can all agree that we all like that film. Mm-hmm. It's it's probably the mo- the most visually fantastic Star Trek film we've ever seen because it's basically wall to wall action, and that's kind of how I felt about this trailer. It looks like it's gonna kind of be wall. Kind of looks like it's gonna be like Into Darkness, just based on this wish, trailer. I do kind of wish. <laughs> this is the last thing I'm gonna say about it. I do kind of wish they just didn't have the shot of the the motorbike. Uh, you know, the motorcycle mm-hmm. like jumping and like you know if you're trying to convince me that justin lynn is doing something <laughs> new and different that's probably not the way to do it well did you did you feel that way when you saw the trailer for the fourth next generation film and you saw like that dune buggy flying across the terrain too <laughs> well that's different because i mean here you're specifically talking about a director who mm-hmm. uh some start not me but but vocal star trek fans were like he's the fast and the furious guy all he knows how to do is car stuff and and uh-huh. You know, don't yeah. give him our Star Trek, and and everyone's like, no, he can do it. He can do something different. You know, mm-hmm. and then in the mm-hmm. trailer, you you literally show me a, a car stunt. All I'm yeah. saying is that in that one scenario, yeah. maybe that wasn't the smartest choice. But you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they're trying to pull in Fast and the Furious fans. Yeah. Well, when I say when I say it's it's different from itself from Into Darkness, it isn't so much the action as just saying that it seems like it's a more fun film as as far as Into Darkness is yeah. appropriate mm-hmm. because it did seem very dark, but this film. Just visually and the gags that you see, there are lots of moments of humor in the trailer. It looks like it's more fun. How much do you think? How much of that do you think was them, uh, you know, knowing it was going in front of Star Wars and, and wanting to make sure that more general Star Wars fans would uh, pay attention and, and get interested in, in it? Yeah, know? I think it was very important to do uh, a star a show that Star Trek isn't just people talking, you know, and just uh, it isn't so cerebral. Even though you know some people might like that, I think yeah, that was probably part of the. The um, the the choice the, the reason why they made that choice is to show that okay this is a fun movie and it's not uh, it's not something like what you recognize Star Trek from TV or what you remember yeah. Star Trek being because it's been but too it, long since the last movie you know the the other I thing is like, uh, go ahead two thousand I feel like the two thousand nine Star Trek addressed that issue and there are there are promotional ads during the the two thousand nine Star Trek with exactly saying this is not your father's Star Trek. And I think the movie success, I, I would have thought, would have put those concerns to rest. So You'd be, you, you are absolutely right about that. But the delay between the films means that they've been lost in the public consciousness. Yeah, that, was, that was definitely a mistake. The amount of time yeah. between yeah. Into Darkness and the first yeah. one, I think everyone agrees, was, was a mistake. They, lost, they just completely lost their momentum. And if they had just done the film, next film two to three years afterwards. But in the meantime, there's a new Marvel movie every single year. And, uh, and just think, you know, Multiple this is... Yeah, and if there's a Star Trek movie that comes out, you know, if Star Wars movies are going to come out annually, how many films are going to come out between this and and the the next Star Trek film after this one? You know. Yeah. Um, I did read an article from Simon Pegg. He didn't. Um, he said he didn't really care for the trailer, and he said there's a lot more in this film that isn't shown in the trailer. So mm-hmm. there's that. Since you know he you know he's obviously in the film and he helped write the script. It would be a pretty but, short um, film if there was nothing else in. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know, but he, but he actually said he didn't care for the trailer that much yeah. in this article. As a, as a, I'm speaking, speaking as a person that he did, he was the person that wrote the screenplay, right? So I'm yeah. sure he's like, look, we wrote a massive thing, and you guys showed one planet, and it looks like we're on this one planet the whole film. So I'm sure he's like, I, I can't wait for you to see the rest of it. You know, as probably all screenwriters are during the first teaser comes out. 
Uh, Steve, do you have any? Any? What was your? Nothing did you really see it tonight. It, Steve just it. literally, uh, audience. Steve <laughs> literally watched Star Wars, came home and turned on Skype. You know, we're flying right now. Dedication. So he's the freshest. He's right off it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you see the Star Trek uh, trailer in front it, of? Star it was Wars? not in front of that one. So, no. Some of the other. I mean, I saw. Um, Captain America and X-Men, but I didn't see that. Oh, that Civil War trailer was sweet. Yeah. I have to say, I'm a hard sell with Marvel these days. I'm really kind of getting bored with them. But that Civil War trailer was awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but but Star Trek, uh, what, did you, what do you think? I assume you then you watched it online, though, right? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, yeah I, there's nothing really different than what you guys are saying. I, I, I thought it was just kind of just boring. It was like generic action film trailer with the Star Trek characters in it. That's what I felt like. You know, so I just wasn't, I wasn't particularly moved by it or excited or anything. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad we were able to uh, talk about that. But what we're all here for, really, of course, is Star Wars. I don't think this is going to work, but my son got a card in the mail. I'm going to try it. It has some music with it. I'm going to see if it can come through my mic here. I don't know. Tell me if you can hear this. Could you hear that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So is that BB and R2 doing a duet? What's going on there? I think that was that was that's R2 uh, doing uh, Jingle Bells. This is our holiday podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, that was probably bad radio. Um, okay, so first of all, has everybody only seen it once? I assume. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. yes. Okay. I actually had a ticket to see, to see it a second time, um, but uh, my wife surprised me for my birthday by flying my brother into town, and he went. He and I got to go see Star Wars together. And then, what was supposed to be my second screening, we spent uh, down at Disneyland uh, going to the Star Wars Season of the Force, which Brian and I went to for the first day, the opening day last month. And by the way, it's freaking awesome. Yeah, High Space Mountain is amazing. Don't miss yeah. it. Um, so I only saw it once too. But here's the here, the reason I'm mentioning this. I actually thought as I was watching it, you know, this movie is so dense. I don't think I want to watch it tomorrow morning. I think I want a week or two before. I'm gonna. I'm sure I'll see it at least one more time on screen. I'd kind of like to catch it on IMAX since now I know he's shot a scene on IMAX. But I, I was thinking this movie is so dense. There's so much. Uh, it moves so well without moving too fast. Um, but there, it's so dense that I like the idea of spending a couple of days thinking about it. And now we get to talk about it right now and kind of work through some thoughts on it. But uh, first, I have a few specific questions I want to hit, but but just first, kind of general thoughts. I have not talked to any of you guys about this. I, I have seen, I haven't read like a bunch of reviews online, but certainly I have seen, um, you know, the, the Rotten Tomato score and the Cinema score is is through the roof. Every you know, on, the, on average, most people seem to really like the movie. Just uh, made a little coin. Uh, yeah, well, I don't think that surprises anybody. This movie was probably review proof. It was going to make stupid money regardless. Um, but it does seem like the general critical consensus is a positive one, as well as the average moviegoer has had a positive response to it. Um, so, I mean, yes, I think it is a good movie. I'm gonna, I'm going to enjoy our conversation. But just kind of first kind of reactions. Everybody have positive or any, anybody? Uh, Brian, you're probably well. I, I, Dom, I don't know you quite as well as everybody else here, but I know Brian. You, you're probably the biggest Star Wars fan among us. Like Brian is like is into Star Wars kind of the way. Uh, Steve, Adam, and I are into um, Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, I'm really curious, uh, Brian, how you felt as a Star Wars fan. 
I, I felt I, I, I generally uh, generally positive about it, but um, my initial thought that I've never had when watching a Star Wars movie before ever is to feel a little bit lost. Uh, and I'm used to having so much material available before the movie comes out, and not just these these books and novels, but you know, you get a lot a lot of information about who's who and what's what and the state of everything. And and J.J. Abrams, you know, at least since Into Darkness or whatever, is to try to be more secretive about about stuff. So, so, so I felt like I needed a, a, a refresher, like a catch up about like, well, well, who's who and what are these two factions? Uh, who, where do they come from? Um, and, uh, uh, what happened after Return of the Jedi? Cause there's no, it doesn't really give you any of that in the opening crawl. I was hoping just that I would get all that information. And, and when they landed on, on planets, I, I, I didn't know where they were and I wanted to know that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really wanted to know what those planets were. We know that one planet was called Jakku and stuff. And, and I, and I, I got from my lips to God's ears. I swear to God, I still don't understand the, um, the, the whole, the, this, this death star sun thing or how it works and stuff. And I'm used to, so I'm a little bit caught off guard cause I'm used to knowing so much coming into the film because I'm just, I'm just voracious and devouring it. So I, the Do you first think- time ever, I was a little lost. Was that a fault in the film, or was that? I mean, I'm trying to imagine what it would have been like the first time you sat down in 1977 and saw the original Star Wars. Wouldn't that have been oh, yeah. like, what the hell is going on? Right? Yeah, yeah. I get, I get, I get. Well, here's the thing: I mean, a planet, a planet was blown up that was insignificant in 77, right? So they blow up Alderaan, and you didn't care about it because you didn't know anybody about it, and you didn't see anything happen. But now they're saying we're destroying the Republic. Well, I don't really know what that means. Is that the New Republic? And if that is the Republic, are they on Coruscant? Because that planet looked like a city planet. Turns out there, it's. A, did anybody else know that 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 the planet that got blown up was something called Hosnian Prime? I no, I was wondering. Know, if but it was I realized be, that. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering, okay. is this supposed to be Coruscant? But not really. But that. Would be well, like, that yeah. that's what I mean. It's one of those things. Yeah. Like I, I think that the, the the every the film itself is a good film, but I'm a little caught off guard as a Star Wars fan and used to knowing this stuff in advance, or at least expecting to get it while we're watching it. So while yeah. we're watching it, there's things happening. That seemed to me like a very significant event, and I didn't quite get it, you know. And 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 I, you know, just stuff like that is the only thing that really, you know, had a that and the production design is the only thing that really bugged me a little bit here and there. But that's other than that, I think it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, I'd, I would kind of agree. Yeah, I would agree. They've cut, they kind of glossed over things a little bit in the movie with with that. Um, I kind of felt like the movie mirrored New Hope in a lot of ways, formula- oh, yeah. formulaically. You know, you know, you had a lot of the same scenes that you had in New Hope, and then this movie, um, there's some role reversals in characters. I kind of felt like Han Solo was Obi Wan in this movie, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I kind of I had the same feelings about you. You don't really know what's going on. Like you said, you really, it's, you know, it's 30 years that's passed, and you don't really, <laughs> you like to get a little bit of backstory. But I'm sure Disney is fast at work on those those things that they're willing to sell to all of us who will consume it <laughs> yeah it's purposely confusing they can sell material yeah. <laughs> no you gotta buy this book and read it right. and then you'll know uh, you, gotta watch it. you gotta watch this series or this animated well hey i i had some questions about um jackowine you know with all the the star destroyers that were on jackowine you know and then somebody was telling me yeah you get all that backstory from the battlefront video game i'm like okay Oh, the the the, the uh, Jakku, the uh, the battle that apparently happened decades or something before the movie starts. Yeah, you get apparently, that uh, story from the video game. Um, apparently, the final battle between the Empire and the Republic was not 
the Battle of Endor, it was the Battle of Jakku, apparently. Yes. And that is what the end of, you know, then, then, but you have, in order to explain that, then you have to say, well, who are the First Order guys? Where do they come from? And as far as I can tell, the I've been able to read is that the First Order guys are kind of like, you know, we pulled out of Afghanistan and here's the Taliban resurged again, you know, and, and yeah. somehow and ISIS. And, and then, and then, and then uh, if you look at, if you look at the new order, I'm sorry, what do they call it? The resistance. They're, they're a guerrilla offshoot of the Republic, but they're not the rebellion for, formed to just fight this faction. Yeah, I yeah. didn't quite understand that, why they were calling That's them the resistance. Yeah, because like, aren't, aren't the they, resistance? shouldn't they be the Republic? Yeah. Is the resi are they like the rebellion? But what, when the rebellion have ended decades before, that that part was a little bit confusing. But I yeah, and they become mainstream when they just be the Republic Army. I think yeah. the yeah. idea is that there's a republic. I probably scared the hell out of Disney using the word Republic Army. There's probably a <laughs> there's probably a I think my my understanding, and again, this is all I agree. This is all very fuzzy. Is there's a republic, which is a separate government, say something like the United States, and they are funding a. A an insurgent movement within New Order First Order territory, just the way that we are uh, trying to fund moderate Syrian rebels in ISIS-controlled territories, or even the Kurds mm -hmm. in Iraq. So it's more mm -hmm. it's, some, it's more like even that relationship. We, if we look at like say yeah. the, the prequels, for example, they were always incredibly clear about uh, okay, well, well, you know, the Republic doesn't really function out in the outer rim. You know, for example, it seemed like they. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe George went a little overboard, but he tried to be very very clear about that stuff around prequel time. But yeah. all this said, I gotta say, I was confused about some of these things. I, I totally agree. I felt that confusion. Um, I don't think it really um, held the movie back for me. But would it have been better if that had been more clear? Yes, I think so. I think what I would say is, as a movie, this is a wonderful movie. It is an extremely fun movie. As a piece of Star Wars lore, um, and to put this in context, as a Star Wars fan, I had a life-size Yoda statue of Yoda when I was younger. So, um, I, I do, you know, so I am somebody who does get into the, uh, the Star Wars as a story. And as a piece of Star Wars lore, as as we've been saying, it's, it does the the world building is really lacking. And I think, in a lot of ways, this movie feels like a bit of a reaction against the prequels, not just the world building, but also going back to the original trilogy production design. Yeah. Um, emphasizing the use of practical effects over CGI. Mm -hmm. Seems like a, there's a lot of this movie, in, in a lot of ways, is just saying, hey, the prequels, remember them? Well, don't remember them. And mm -hmm. we can move yeah, on. Yeah, that's my chief takeaway from this movie really surprised me because I know the average person doesn't like the prequels, but I've never been a prequel apologist. I do not dislike them. I think of them as Star Wars movies and. I if I'm watching Star Wars, I would watch them. You know what I mean? It's there. I I enjoy them for what they are. I've never hated them. Um, and people, I know that like serious film critics, of which I often consider myself, uh, I know that they think those are objectively um, bad movies, the prequels. Uh, but I've never thought of them that way, um, because. What defines Star Wars? For, th those things still uh, met this de definition of Star Wars for me. Um, watching this movie, the surprising effect that it had for me is the way that it had me kind of reconsidering the prequels. I'm not saying that I suddenly think they're bad movies. But when I was watching this, and I thought it was so good and so exciting, um, 
that it made me think it made me it 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 made kind of the scars in the in the fine leather of the prequels more evident i guess you know and i hadn't really thought about that before so that's an amazing effect that, that that this movie had it's like oh yeah you know when you're watching a star wars movie and it feels like it's made this well mm-hmm. um or 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 character is is number character and story is is number 1 mm-hmm. um it really can have this go up to this next level in a way that maybe the prequels didn't. And so I'm, what I'm saying is it's had me reconsider them, the prequels, I mean, and I would never have imagined that any movie could do that. It doesn't even make sense to me. But, you know, obviously I'm watching these as a fan of Star Wars um, normally. And here I'm, I'm thinking of them as movies, I guess. You know, um, th- what's, what's funny, and this may be just me, but um, again, I'm a much bigger... Um, you know, I'm into the Star Trek world, you know, much more, but I'm familiar with Star Wars. And I rewatched all of the other films before this. And, you know, the the reaction I have um, is not dissimilar to the reaction I had to the 09 Star Trek movie. And I don't think that's an accident, <laughs> giving they're the same director and have so much of the same. And what I mean specifically is this notion of, wow, this is objectively, quote unquote, a, a really good movie. You know, I don't think it's like the best thing ever, but, you know, a really good movie. And it's and it's a lot going for it. But there's some kind of heart or something that I'm used to in the other ones that wasn't quite there. And I don't mean like bad. I just mean it's, it's just so different that and that's kind of a little bit what I felt in a, maybe a slightly different way, but similar when I come at, came out of uh, Star Trek 2009. You're well, saying that Star Trek 2009 had a had a heart that you hadn't felt. Something? No, no. Uh, you mean the opposite? Yes, yes. Okay. That that oh, this is a really good movie. I, I enjoy this. This is this is good. I can't really complain. But there's something that's not what I'm used to in Star Trek, and I got a little bit of that in this for Star Wars. Because I think what I was saying before, what you just said was that maybe there was stuff, there was something more about character and story and soul, which is kind of how I'm interpreting what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this new, in the Force Awakens, that maybe the prequels, I could see how those maybe were lacking. Well, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and and I, I agree, this is good, and and it's definitely a worthy successor to the original trilogy, and objectively better than any of the prequels, in my opinion. But I, and maybe it's just style. Maybe this is just style or something, or maybe it's just the uh, lack of attention to certain details, as we've alluded to, with the world building and that kind of thing, that just makes it different, you know, and it just well, takes some getting used to. On that sense, then I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think that like the tone of this movie? It, how much of this is JJ and how much of this is Lucasfilm? And I'm wondering, like, do you think this is setting the tone? Is this? Because I think this has a very, very particular tone. It definitely we talked about some of the reasons, um, you know, not as much CG, for example, more live uh, action effects and or special effects, etc. There's a lot of little things, right? Uh, more story, more character. Do you think this is more of a JJ thing, or do you think this is what we're going we should expect from all the Star Wars movies going forward? I think I think it's I think it's JJ Abrams for sure because I think that that he is a. I mean, look, he you know he just the idea just the notion of shooting this on film, you know. Instead of shooting and using Wasn't real locations weird? and it stuff, it felt weird seeing film you know? like this. <laughs> yeah, but 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 the, but the thing is, is that if you watch, I mean, I, I I like I like I don't think the prequels are good movies. I just like them because they're Star Wars. You know, if they were something else, I wouldn't like them. But it's shocking <laughs> to watch this movie and all of a sudden see, oh my god, these are actually good characters and there's good dialogue and there's good directing the way they're interacting with each other. That's that's all J.J. Abrams. You know, that that is the director. And, and if you put a different director in there. 
you may not get that. You may get things that are a little, little more static and stuff. But the the the, the problem is the only, yes, it's it's him demanding that stuff, and I can't see that continuing, you know, forever through the films because you need new environments. You know, he's retreading environments and calling them new planets. You know, here's an yeah. ice planet and it's not Hoth. Here's a desert planet and it's not uh, it's Tatooine. it's not Tatooine. Here's a, a foresty planet. It's not Endor <laughs> and it's not Naboo. Eventually, they're going to have to go through that. What they have to do is they have to get is get find ways to do environments like that that are that look good and hold up. Stay away from creature uh, uh, CG, which hopefully they do because that Supreme Leader Snoke is not so much better looking guy than than Jar Jar Binks. In fact, he, he, <laughs> he looks he looks you know that that big that big pig thing that big pig thing that they had that your son has the toy of that yeah, that, yeah, that he loves that. There's the water thing like that. Well done, because 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 that thing didn't have to have a lot of range of motion and stuff. Oh, okay. and, if you, and and to answer your question, is it is it Kathleen Kennedy or is it is it J.J. Abrams? We have to assume it's J.J. Abrams because Kathleen Kennedy was put in place by George Lucas. So even <laughs> even without even without George Lucas there at the helm, he has that speech where he said, "Well, listen, they didn't want me, and they didn't want to use my ideas. Is there a possibility that George Lucas put a woman in place?" And then when the when the I'm sorry and I don't mean a woman is different but so yeah, you put yeah, a person yeah. in place Kathleen Kennedy and then all of a sudden uh, when Disney takes over Kathleen Kennedy is like well this is my boss now not you and we're not going this direction we're doing this it's hard to imagine that's coming from Kathleen Kathleen Kennedy um, well, and, and, well I, mean, I don't no, know I'd have to disagree because well JJ's not he's not working on any future films is he is he involved in any? He, he's not or but, directing. But, that's so that's scary. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying, Kathleen. Yeah. Kennedy, I'm, I don't think you're giving her enough credit because she was put in charge of this. And yeah, but, but the, the, the difference between the difference between this and say Star Trek, when JJ was put in complete charge of Star yeah. Trek, wasn't he's not in complete charge of Star Wars. So Kathleen, I, Kennedy, he, I, I feel like he was in complete charge of Star Wars. No, he's, he's, in, he's in, but he's in charge of Star Wars this iteration. I mean, when yeah, they go, so, I mean, they went so far as to ditch the script that came before. And then he said, "I'm going to personally write it, rewrite it with Kazdan." That that means there's a huge stamp on him from from that and everything you see in this film. And I have a feeling that there was that that even though that that Kathleen Kennedy is the head of the brain trust, there was this feeling of, "Look, this is the first one out of the gate." You know, uh, every time we've done, you know, Kathleen Kennedy has done a lot of hits movies before, but they were always done by George Lucas or Steven Spielberg or someone else like that. So I have a feeling yeah, I mean, that. Well, that, I would disagree. I think I think you're selling her short. I'm not. So, I know, I, and I'm not a fan of. I, I'm, I'm a fan I, of. Yeah, Kathleen I think you're Kennedy. selling her short there with her her creative input. No, I'm not. I'm. Not, I don't. I don't. I don't mean to say that. I don't mean to say that. But because I because I, 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 I don't feel that way at all. I, I really think she's a valuable asset, and she, it's, it's a good thing that she's running the show. But when it comes, but what I, I have a feeling. Let me say this. I have a feeling that if it came down to a decision, and Bob Iger was there, it's like Kathleen Kennedy felt one way, or JJ felt the other way. You might steer in JJ's direction, and there's nothing against Kathleen Kennedy. Well, that's a, that's an opinion. We have no idea. What's going <laughs> yeah, on well, there. hey, did, I mean, I'm going on the though. fact that she she's in charge of Star Wars. That's that's and JJ JJ's from what I know is he's done with Star Wars. So yeah, he's, he's done now, and that's the film. thing that, like I said, it's, it's it it worries me a little bit the way that they're doing this sort of thing because he claims to not know that much about what's happening in two or three. Okay, then the, the, yeah, sorry, that scares eight me. Or, eight or eight nine, or nine. And, and the idea that ends, good or like, bad, all along there was someone. Maybe they better Kathleen have, better have person. an amazing idea about what's going to ha- what Lewis doing in the next movie, or or it's ruined. This entire movie is pointless, you know. Yeah. And I was concerned. I was watching this, especially at the very end, thinking, God, I hope JJ's at least involved with the story. 
you know this was this was his brain here right but but Brian I want to I want to remind you of something you said to me once and and ask how you feel about it now uh, Brian and I were at Star Wars Celebration where they played the first kind of big trailer like after the teaser what was that I think that was in April right is that right is it March something like that uh-huh yeah and when we waited in line overnight for that um you said uh there's a part of you that even though you know nobody else there would agree with this but there was a part of you that almost felt like you would rather have another maybe not as amazing movie from George the creator and I said to you I know I understand completely how you feel and I I kind of maybe feel that way too mm-hmm. um now that you've seen this movie and and it sounds like you think it is quality uh do you still feel like feel that way or do you well i tell, tell you that, that i wouldn't i wouldn't rather it because i know how it would be perceived if you if you give george lucas the same leeway he had last time and he made uh three films all on his own without anybody's uh intervention or no one and, and him writing and directing or not you get the phantom menace all over again but you get it even worse because apparently this the the the, the trio that was going to lead these movies was not poe finn and ray it was a bunch of teenagers you know so i have a feeling that it would have been it might have been even more of a disaster than it was last time you know so i i don't feel that way but i wouldn't mind having access to scripts or <laughs> to read treatments just so that it could because that authenticity would really help, and and maybe that's the part of me that that's hard. It's hard to even though I think this is a good movie and I enjoyed it, I had a good time watching it. I, there's a part of me that's like, oh, is this? How long will it take before I my brain accepts this as authentic and says, mm-hmm. I know a lot of Star Trek people have this with the JJ movies, but how long will it take before this sits in and this becomes okay? This is just part of canon. Can I jump in here because I kind of had um, I don't I don't know if I would say I, I I would prefer George Lucas movie over what we got with Force Awakens because I, I as I said I like the movie a lot but that said the Force Awakens I think has given me greater respect for George Lucas and the prequels because Lucas as you know has always been a very experimental filmmaker and always very original his he is not a I would not call him a great director he doesn't know how to execute his stories, but I think he has great ideas. And I think even in the prequels, he took a lot of risks, a lot of interesting risks, a lot of interesting storytelling decisions. Um, and a lot of those risks did not pay off. But I respect a filmmaker who says, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to set up a love sequence and use stilted Arthurian dialogue and just see how it goes or um, – set up a, you know, make a film about this all-American boy becoming an evil monster, Darth Vader, and twist, trying to twist things around. And I actually, you know, again, it's, it's, I respect the films more, I like, I respect the prequels more than I like them. And it would be nice to maybe have a, a way to channel that originality and that boldness of, of a Lucas with the, the sheer directing skills of an Abrams. Because Abrams knows how to talk to actors. Lucas was infamous for not giving his actors directions. He would just say faster, more intense. But you know, his his idea of his idea of actors was well, they were hard to act, so they should know how to act, and he shouldn't have to direct them. Um, so it would be great to get a marriage of the two somehow. But I, I well, did that's what the Empire like, Strikes Back is. The Empire Strikes exactly. Back is the best movie yes. because he's just a producer. 
someone else is not Jedi, but if you yeah. say we're Empire Strikes Back is the movie where you know he he is the person that was overseeing it, but then he yeah. had to let it go and someone else directed it, someone else wrote it. The problem with Jedi is is that he didn't like some of the liberties that were taken on Empire Strikes Back. Right. So he, he got it, he Richard Marquand to go like, no, you will do what I say and you will follow this script as I as I do, and we'll, we're we're yeah. not going to have any more risky stuff in it. It's much more safer process and Richard Marquand apparently got the job because he's like I will move my family wherever we shoot you know and so that's one of the reasons that he got hired yeah, like, oh, really, you're willing to go to that wasn't George's quote uh, infamous quote about Empire to Kirshner was it didn't have to be that good or something to that effect yeah. it, it looked good but it didn't have to look that good that was his yeah. quote about it and also uh, um, you know there was a time in the edit room where he actually said you're ruining my movie to uh, Kirsch you know uh, and, and I think that if you if you look at Empire Strikes Back, it's just a beautiful film. Yeah. It's just a beautiful script, and it's a shame that we, that couldn't be replicated because George is a fantastic producer. We've seen we saw in at least three Indiana Jones movies how great he can be when he's working at his best, and someone else is writing and someone else is directing, and he's just sort of overseeing. If he could have done that on the prequels, we would we'd be talking about the prequels like that's the Lord of the Rings. They'd be amazing films. Hmm. Uh, Dom, as a person who was a fan of. Star Wars as a kid, then you said, with your Yoda. Um, what did you think about the death of this your childhood uh, icon, Han Solo? Um, well, unfortunately, I was spoiled uh, for that scene. So, I, oh I my God in heaven! Yes. Oh, folks, this is why you have to see the first minute. And I turned my phone off for the last two days. I swear to God, I was so nervous. My wife asked me like at two in the morning, "What, Brian? Why are you up? What is wrong?" I, I have anxiety that I'm going to get st- spoiled for Star Wars. I swear to God, I'm a weirdo, but that's true. I was so frightened about getting spoiled. And this movie, crazy extreme spoilers. Like, yeah. if you wrote a script purposely trying to come up with spoilers that would make a big difference if they were spoiled, this would be it. Well, uh, well actually, Han Solo, I mean, Dom, did you know how badly Harrison Ford's wanted to die as Han Solo? <laughs> oh, of course. And I've read The okay. Making of Return of the Jedi and all those books uh, by okay. uh, J.W. Rinsler. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I... I even even before the spoiler, I I you're expecting it had a strong suspicion that Solo would not make it through the film. Uh-huh. Um, I felt torn about the death scene though. I think and I like I love the reason for the death. It wasn't just Han Solo going out in a blaze of glory, shooting a bunch of stormtroopers. I love that it was a father to son moment, and there was this there was almost this this. This sacrifice. It was you almost get the sense that Han was sacrificing himself because of his love for his son, and I thought that was really beautiful. But at the same time, just I did not. The, there's something about the music, or, or or the lack of music, didn't work for me, and the lack of reaction from the other characters too. And Chewie, Chewie, Chewie shot Kylo Ren, and that's all good and fine. But it it seemed like a very muted reaction the death of such yeah. a major character. And I really, I felt like, yeah, I felt like there needed to be something more, even. Yeah. You know, it, it needed, it needed Obi-Wan sees Qui-Gon get killed. Right. No, I thought, I thought it was, a, yeah. I, mean, I thought it was, I thought it was an emotional moment. And I, I even though I, you know, I, I was kind of expecting it. My, my only thought about Han Solo in this film is I was hoping that he would be a little bit more like Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. I thought he would be nice to see him. He seemed to be already in the thick of doing what Han Solo does all the time. And the mm-hmm. idea for me was I wanted to see him actually pull that holster off of a off of a mantle somewhere. It had been hanging and dusty and it hadn't been used in so long. And he was going to go in for one last ride. 
yeah. that to me would have been amazing. So, but, but other than that, you know, I, I think this is, if you love Han Solo and a lot of people do, and I think Han Solo is the type of character that was missing in the prequels for me, me yeah. and me, people like me who love the Jedi, that's all I care about. I just make a movie with nothing but Jedi, but a lot of people miss that swashbuckler Han Solo character. He was totally missing. I can see why you would want to put him at the forefront. And then maybe next time they get, you're going to get more of the, of the Luke, but do you, do you think well, it, yeah, they I, already have replacements for Solo in the next movies? So. I was a little for that. Well, yeah, Solo concerned. is kind of the everyday man, so I see mm-hmm. what you're saying. So mm-hmm. I mean, they have you know they have the other characters. I mean, Finn could possibly fill in that everyday man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, the first pilot. Oh, I can't remember his name. Sorry. Poe Dameron. Poe Dameron. Yeah, he's kind of the everyday kind of guy. And uh, yeah, I'd agree with you that that was missing from the from the first. Think about first, that though. You just the I, mean, I don't blame you. For, yeah, I don't blame you for for that at all. You had to just think about who Poe Dameron was, and before we were like Luke, Han, and Leia. Luke, Han, and Leia. Harry, Ron, Hermione, and this is kind of like uh, Finn. Uh, yeah. That Poe Dameron guy, he really got. I mean, uh, he really got the short end of the stick as far as character development goes. And I don't see the story as being a love triangle, which I I, I would love to see that happen. But but he really did. And and uh, and same thing with uh, the, the the good thing about this movie is that when you see that character, like uh, I don't want to. I'll wait to I'll wait to get to Kylo Ren to talk about it. So, Brian, you're moderating this thing. I don't want to take this in all different well, directions. Well, uh, Tom mentioned uh, the the music or lack thereof in, in Han Solo's uh, death scene, mm-hmm. um, and I I did want to talk about the score for just a minute. I think even the people that didn't like the prequels, uh-huh. everybody agreed that John Williams' music oh, yeah. is freaking yeah. amazing. And yeah, his prequels. In some ways, I like his prequel music even better than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. His his music's amazing, and this mm-hmm. movie. I'm not saying it's bad. Not by a long shot, mm-hmm. but this is the first time I walked out of a Star Wars movie not humming some new theme. Maybe there were new yes. themes in there, but I didn't yes. feel that way. Oh, I yeah. felt like it was a company. There's no hit single. There's no There's no Duel of the Fates. There's no Across the Stars. Yeah. There's no Battle of the Heroes. I, I, after listening to the soundtrack several times, I bought the soundtrack in the theater, like right in the movie ended. Because there's this Ray's theme is pretty awesome. It's called the Scavenger, and then there's, there's, there's one thing, and it's called Ray's theme. But I, I, want, I would like to find out from everybody else, though, is the f- opening notes, the first note sounded off and it sounded record very different the way I remember. That first note, dun, 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 you know, it sounded off. Have you noticed? Has anyone else noticed how? Is that because that it didn't sounded? have didn't start off with the Fox fanfare? No, no, because when I listen to <laughs> when I listen to the soundtracks, I don't listen to the fanfare. But I'm used to hearing that note carried a different way when it and, and I thought, oh, it sounds it sounds almost like it's at a higher pitch this time. I thought maybe that's the difference between recording in Abbey Road or whatever with the London guys and the way they're doing it out here. I don't know, but it sounded it off to me. Loud that enough to me. That that was the only thing I thought was I, I wanted to be knocked out of my seat when that when the Star Wars theme comes up. I didn't feel that way, but I don't know. I mean, I was off on that. Hey, I want to interject. I didn't get to mention this before, but I saw the saw the movie at the Alamo Draft House, <laughs> and it's in Austin, Texas. And I don't know if any of you guys have been to an Alamo. You're probably familiar with them, Brian. Yeah, I went to the one in Austin a couple times. Yeah, but it was so awesome because for, you know, I got there about 30, 45 minutes early, and all they did was show um, Kenner toy commercials <laughs> from the 70s awesome. and 80s, and then they showed, like, YouTube parody Star Wars videos. It was t- awesome. There were no commercials, no sneak peeks, no, hey, come check out this new series from it, just all toy commercials and everything. So I had to get that in there. It was such a treat to watch all those um, that's, before that's the movie. Cool. Uh, Brian, you brought up uh, Kylo Ren. I want to talk about him for a minute. Now, I've I've seen a couple of people that maybe say they didn't care for maybe his voice with the mask. I got to say, I thought it was cool. I thought it was perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. it was exactly 
a modern version of the first time you hear Darth Vader to me. I mean, it, he's he's a young guy, so it should it should sound. I mean, youngish or something. But I thought he sounded cool. I I like. I mean, it's simple, but I like his I like his design. You know, and um, and even with the mask off, I thought he was I thought he was perfect. I mean, he's the young, almost Sith. Um, you know, kind of the antithesis, uh, young Obi Wan or something. I, um, I genuinely liked Kylo Ren pretty much from start to finish. It's a little bit weird. I heard some people also complain about um, how does he possibly lose that lightsaber battle at the end? I don't know about that. He was shot a couple of times. You know, <laughs> he wasn't operating on all cylinders there. Um, he shot with a bowcaster. Yeah, which they he saw. just killed his dad. So I think Kylo Ren is a wonderful character, but a pathetic villain. I I think the voice is a weak. The voice that he has when he has the mask on, it's a fairly weak voice, but it works because Kylo Ren is essentially a Darth Vader fanboy. He wants to become the next Darth Vader, but he isn't really. And he's another really interesting twist. He is tempted by the light side. And I don't think we've seen that in a Star Wars film before, where, where a villain is tempted to do good. Um, you think he so really not, was, or was that just... No, he was. Yeah, he, no, that no, was, he, that was he, when he, he was talking he, to Vader's yeah. mask. It was yeah, a private I, moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I thought it was a really interesting character. Leia he, says, Leia says to Han, uh, if you see our son, bring him back. You know, and, and then Han takes that extra step. He moves in yeah. there, and... and and Kylo Ren is sitting there saying, I have to do something, you know, it's going to be hard for me to do it. And obviously he's sitting there thinking about, I have to kill you. I'm going to kill my own father. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Either Han is like, I think it was Caesar you said sacrifice? Somebody said sacrifice. Either yeah. Han is like consciously um, thinking, um, yes, he means he's going to kill me, but he's going to have to do something that bad in order to come back to the light at any point in the future. So I'm going to sacrifice myself. Or Han is just not smart enough to realize that's what's <laughs> about to happen. Well, I think it's tough, and maybe and th- all of that is 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 made worse because it, it was Leia pushing him to do this. I don't know, yeah. but I think that you know, I, I t- a screening writing class I took once, and, and the guy said, "Your villains have to like rape babies. They have to be that bad, right? Yeah. Do the worst things you can imagine. Killing your father and f- tossing him over the side of this massacre—that's about the worst thing I can imagine. So mm-hmm. I think that as a dark figure." He is a complete success. I don't get. I don't. I've never got. I never got the sense though that he's menacing. And even even in the final battle, even after he kills Han Solo, he kills his father. In the fight against Rey, he's pretty pathetic, and he's pumping. He's beating his chest. I I'm not sure. I guess to no, he, blood he, circulation no, or pump no, him up. That was something about his injury. I think. Yeah. No. It was. It was. It was a, he was injured. And he's beating his chest, and presumably to get himself pumped up for the fight. Mm-hmm. But he looks weak. He looks mm-hmm. weak. Not that he doesn't look like Darth Vader, the menacing presence. And mm-hmm. I, again, I thought it was a, br- a great character choice, but you know, I'm not here. <laughs> he, he's the character. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I think I think it's interesting because I, I do think he's 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 uh, he's you know, menacing, scary. Uh, you know, some that that just kind of like curdles your blood, this kind of thing. And yet, you know, as it progresses, you you understand his vulnerabilities and where he's torn. And I think it's an interesting opportunity going forward in the next in the next film as well, because this notion of okay, he's going to complete his training. Well, it is kind of it's kind of bizarre this notion of not what we're used to. 
And the well, other Buck got his butt kicked until he finished his training, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's kind of this. It's just it's just kind of turning this on its head. You know, we're going to obviously see the development of some, you know, the light side Jedi's and all this kind of stuff. But for the first time, we're going to see. All right, let's see this. The villain develop into a worse villain, maybe, kind of. Yet he's yeah. always torn, and you know, you you question, you know, if you always are questioning where he might go. I mean, it's kind of an interesting twist. You know, it makes me anxious to see where they're going with that. I thought it was interesting I, that. It seems like in all the other Star Wars movies, um, maybe not, maybe not Empire, but it seems like they always had some central villain just to kill him in that movie. You know, mm-hmm. you had Tarkin in, in in New Hope, you had Darth Maul in Phantom Menace, yada yada yada. It seemed like there was always a villain that was set up and the the bad guy in that movie to kill in that movie. I kind of expected. I I mean, obviously, I figured uh, Kylo Ren was going to live um, for the kind of reasons we're talking about. But I did think at least that next guy that was kind of standing next to him in mm-hmm. front of – what's his name? Smoke? Smoke? Snoke. 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 The, the other guy whose character – I can't even remember his name. But oh, I kind Hux. of figured he Hux. was going to – General Hux. What is his name? Hux. Hux. I kind of figured maybe, well, okay, Hux is going to die in the big final battle. That didn't happen. I thought that was no. that was surprising and kind of – Cool. Well, Kylo Ren is the is the character that that I was most excited about and most worried about at the same time because I've been excited about a guy who's dressed in all black and has a cool lightsaber before and been burned when I went to the theater <laughs> and saw him as being completely one dimensional. But his face was everywhere. His face was on Darth Maul's face was on every piece of Phantom Menace licensing, and I was like, "That's it. If, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm really going to be pissed off if that's what Kylo Ren is." And Kylo Ren was absolutely not that. He was a completely fleshed out, probably the most fleshed out character out of all of them. He had history, you know. He belong. He he he's a child of one of the the, the big three, um, and he had a very interesting twist. We've always seen the character who's good fighting the darkness. Now we have the dark character who's fighting the light, just trying so hard to be evil. He's a little bit like. Uh, like the uh, uh, Draco Malfoy, in a sense, is that you know he just he just he knows he has to be evil. He wants to be evil, but he's fighting against it. It's, it's and, and it's 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 kind of a, an interesting dynamic. And to see, you know, to see once again that there's a lightsaber fight where it is it's amateur hour. That lightsaber fight is amateur yeah. hour completely because. You know, Finn's. I don't know if Finn's ever handled a lightsaber for before. She certainly hasn't, and he he should be able to cut them down like wheat, but. Maybe he's not fully trained yet, and maybe this sets up these awesome Ray Park type battles that are going to happen in the second and third film. But you know, the idea that she can hold her own is testament now to I don't know if it's JJ or Kathleen Kennedy, but some, but Lucasfilm in general saying, listen, we're going to drop the notion of Jedi's being people that have to be start training at two years old. You know what I mean? Mm. The, and we're not going to mention midi chlorians or anything like that. It's going to be just like Luke. He, if you're if you're a grown up and you're you know 18, 19 years old, and you pick up a lightsaber, you can learn the Force. You can handle it. Hell, you can even learn Ben Kenobi's tricks on the fly. You know. Mm. And um, anyway, I have so a lot more to say about Ray too. Ray is that. obviously Ray is pretty strong with the Force. Yes. Uh, I actually I thought Daisy Ridley did a great job i i was i was pretty captivated by her um like those shots we saw in, even in the in the trailer but you know when when they're talking to uh, han on the millennium falcon and he's telling them it's all it's true all of it and and the wonder in her face i mean i i she's great uh, mm-hmm. boyega as finn was was fantastic too but mm-hmm. i think that um and i'm not trying to understand that he really was good uh but i think that uh more than any one person this is probably you know uh ray's movie and I think that she held that up, and that character was interesting enough to hold it up. And oddly, 
she's the one that we get up some backstory, but they don't go into. I mean, we don't have the level of detail, and we don't have the number of answers we have about even just a couple of, of, of flashbacks with Kylo Ren uh, and those other trainees or whatever. You know, she's I feel got like classic you know, missing parents, classic yeah. uh, device, missing parents, and she's she's strong with the Force. She's really good at fixing things. And she's a really good pilot. I don't know if we've ever met anybody like that before in Star Wars, but maybe she is the offspring of someone who has those traits. So, uh, hey, real quick, um, Kylo, Kylo Ren. Somebody brought up something interesting. He wasn't completely sold on the fact that Kylo was Han and Leia's son, but more that they were kind of like his adopted parents and that he possibly might Who still said be that? Kids. Just a friend I was talking to. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, I'm, that's I'm, not just, I'm just throwing that out there. The reason I assume that is inaccurate is because he is very strong with the Force, and we know it's strong in the family, and Leia's kid is going to be strong in the Force. His name is Ben. <laughs> the point I was – okay, so you guys are sold on that. I mean, his, his theory was he would still be Luke's kid, and so he would still be strong with the Force. That's that's his, that's his theory. That it's, what if he was Luke and Leia's kid? <laughs> uh, there you go. That would explain a lot. Oh, <laughs> No, it goes down. My question is, is you guys are 100% sold that um, Kylo Ren is Leia. I think that if it wasn't true, that it would rob all the power and of the Han Solo death sequence, and it would be unfair to his character. So it damn better be the case. Yeah, and then Ray is like Adam Driver. What's that? And look at the resemblance between Han and Han Solo and Kylo Ren with the mask off, and it's actually they actually look pretty pretty close. I mean, I could see Adam Driver as a, a Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford love child. I you know I can see that. I don't see any Mark Hamill in him. Maybe they should do a, a another Indiana Jones movie, and he can play a, a kid there. <laughs> um. You know, Leia, I got to say, she didn't have a lot to do, but obviously I assume she's going to be more involved in the future movies. Um, has she had, like, bun- has Carrie Fisher had, like, had plastic surgery or something? It seemed like she so, couldn't yeah. open her mouth very much. Anybody else think that? <laughs> she I'm had the Sammy Davis her. Jr. underbite thing going on, and I'm not used to seeing her talk like that, but it's just, it, yeah, she's just, it's, I don't know. She hasn't, she, she's, she's gone through a lot. I know she's, the woman's gone through a lot, so that's all I can say. Well, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what she does in the future, and I'm glad that it wasn't her. She wasn't like a senator, um, so uh, you know. But I don't. I don't think you can fault anything as far as. Um, okay, I remember. I remember like the first like press photo. Remember that one? Like the the round, the photo with every all the cast in a circle and everyone and people were like, uh, "Where are all the women?" You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't think that uh, now having seen the movie, anybody could complain about that. You know, could, you've got well, person you could argue is the lead of the movie is a woman. Yeah. You've got, you know, you've got um, obviously Alea and she's a general now. Uh, maybe they're white women. They're, they're not women of color or something. But um, Lupita, what's her name? Well, she she was the the little alien. She was Maz Katana. Maz Kanana. Oh, okay. Kanata. Yeah, she was good. I I wasn't um quite if if I was being really picky, I would say maybe I wasn't quite as sold on her the the CG there as uh, yeah, I, I would have liked that. to have been. Well, why do you need why do you need to get a great actor like that to do that character? And why do you need you know there's a, there's a bunch of casting like that where it's like 
we got somebody really great and you get excited about it and you and you expect a little bit more and the same thing goes for oh we got two of the best uh martial arts fighters from the raid you know i didn't see them do anything fantastic when they were a little confrontation oh my god okay you just remind me of something you can you can complete your thought if i interrupted you before no okay i do have to say if i had any one weird disappointment it's that for as cool as phasma was in the trailers she didn't do anything. She, she didn't had the say, coolest she, she outfit in the whole movie, and she did nothing. No, she didn't do anything, and she was she was what I was worried about Kylo Ren becoming as a person who just didn't do anything. I I'd rather Kylo Ren keep the mask on and Phasma take hers off, you know, because <laughs> I want I wanted to see I want it would have felt very gratifying to see like this is a woman who kicks ass. I'm going to show you by taking the mask off, and you know, and, and just you can actually see it because I don't think I don't know if people would get that it was a woman. I don't remember her doing any. Did she even kill shoot anybody? Did she kill anybody or anything like that? I don't know. She if got she captured did it at the very no. beginning, that's it. Yeah, she's only in a couple of scenes. She didn't, and she didn't do much. But obviously, so much thought and effort went into the design of the character and the casting. You know. Yeah. Uh, and her performance, etc. She's then, the Aura Singh of this movie. Do, yeah, she doesn't do anything. Uh, now, it's, not even know, she, it's not even that she doesn't do anything because Boba Fett didn't do very much, but what he did, he did well, and he left an impression. Captain Phasma, and this really actually bothered me the more the more I thought about the film, when uh, Han Solo and the gang uh, go on to Starkiller Base, they point a gun to her head and basically tell her, tell her to lead them to the shield room so they can lower the shield. And she cooperates. Yeah, she's a battle-hardened warrior, and she betrays her army. And yeah. she's coward. It's it's that just that that totally yeah. undermines her character. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're right. It's worse than doing nothing, I suppose. So I don't know if there were deleted scenes or something. If she originally was doing more, do you think that then she died on that? No, I heard that she signed on for another yeah, one. I, I, I heard that. So, yeah. Oh, and okay, just saying, episode eight. I gotta say. Maybe I was uh, unfairly concerned, but my biggest concern going to this movie—I don't know why—but I was really scared that it wasn't going to say Episode Seven. I think I talked really? to you about that, Brian. I really yeah. was because it wasn't anywhere on any marketing. I never heard yeah. people talk about it in any kind of official capacity. So the second well, the movie I, I, opens I, I, and actually, it says it Episode Seven, been, it has it been right. discussed in official capacity. Maybe it was. Kathleen Kennedy said we are these. These are Episodes Seven, Eight, and Nine. And then we are and we're doing anthology movies in between, and that's the end. Then once we finish nine, that's the end of the Skywalker saga. Uh, uh, so I knew it was going to be seven, but I but even even knowing that, I knew that number would be nowhere in the marketing because that would make it seem like the prequels because they never actually advertised any of the original films that way. So I wouldn't expect to see those numbers come up ever, ever, ever again. Well, I was very happy that it said Episode Seven. I was yeah. very, very, very happy about that. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, we have to talk about look, uh, Luke. Um, okay, uh, we got our answer as to why he wasn't in the marketing, and that makes sense. <laughs> now that I've seen the movie, uh, that makes sense. Um, I can't imagine how much money he must have made for a day of work, if that. <laughs> but it works as far as it's almost like Luke Skywalker is the MacGuffin in this movie, uh, you know, uh, or at least his location, I guess. But, you know, the entire movie, it, it, this is the movie that it's not, it's not, you know, it's not about him, but he's kind of a weird driving force, even though he's only in it for a few seconds and he literally has no lines. 
Uh, I think that that's kind of what at least I was guessing was going to be the case at this point. Before I saw the movie, you know, after all this marketing, I was thinking, okay, he's going to be in like the last five minutes of the movie. I have to admit, he was in even less than I thought. <laughs> you know, like a minute, if that, not even that, and and literally has no lines. But I was very excited about the way it ended. I really did want to see, you know, what he's going to be doing in the next movie. You know, I am excited about the idea of the next movie and his his place in it because of the way this movie ended with him. Um, so right, were you guys satisfied with with the way Luke was employed in this the film? way that the way that Luke is is employed in this film is is not is not unsatisfying to me, but it leaves the bad taste in my mouth of this is a this is the best explanation of how Disney sees uh, Star Wars as Marvel. Uh, we're not going to put a tag at the end of the credits uh, because that's not the way Star Wars works. But instead, we're always leading up to the next film. There's not going to be a complete experience anymore. And it's not, you know, in, in the other films, you oh, Luke, Princess, we'll find Han, I promise, you know, or Darth Vader still floating around. Here's like, we're going to give you the, the button, but we're putting the button in the movie because we need you back here in two years to see the next one. Uh, I'm not used to that, and, I'm, and maybe that'll just, just well, grow on me a little bit, but I see it as a much more extreme serialization than I've ever the, seen before. A new Star hope, Wars. a new hope had a pretty clean ending, but uh-huh. obviously empire was a, uh, cliffhanger into Jedi and yeah. the prequels, you know, even, uh, Phantom Menace. I mean, it doesn't end as much of a cliffhanger as attack of the clones, but it does end with, you know, Senator Palpatine, or I guess, emperor, not, not mm-hmm. emperor, um, grand chancellor or whatever Palpatine, you know, standing next to the fire and, uh, Always two there are. Who's the yeah. master? You know, it it did have a lot more of a an open end than A New Hope did. Yeah, but those films never introduced it, a new element. Introduced a new element right at the end. Usually, mm-hmm. it's like they yeah. they're they're lamenting over the things that have happened and what they're going to do. And you know, and so you imagine if this film had taken place during the original trilogy, you'd have had Ray and Chewie take off in the in the Falcon, and then that would be it. You know what they're doing. I've never seen this before because it did feel like the movie was over once already before they got there, you know, but I knew yeah. that I knew that like that was coming. So, you know, it's it's fine. I'm probably just being, you know, too judgmental about it. But I was kind of like, oh, OK, this is what's going to add at the you're going to get the Marvel movie ending at the end of every Star Wars movie. now. So. I agree completely with Brian. And I think is part I think part of the issue is that. You know, as much as Luke Skywalker was a presence in the film and the opening crawl started with Luke Skywalker has vanished, this was not just a movie about finding Luke Luke Skywalker. So finding him at the end didn't feel like the culmination of the entire plot. It, it did feel it did feel like a new element. If the film had been titled The Search for Skywalker <laughs> and rather than blowing up Starkiller Base, they had Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> Genesis is planet forbidden. Then you know, then, then, then that might have been enough of a reward. But I feel like right now, it's yeah, it's. I, I I'm not. I'm not disappointed. I'm not. I, I'm not saying I want Mark Hamill in every single scene, but it does very feel. It, it feels a bit too much like a be to be continued. I mm-hmm. I like that it wasn't. I just always kind of assumed Luke was going to be kind of the Obi Wan character, like Obi Wan, like a, a New Hope Obi Wan, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of assumed that. But it doesn't. That's not what he is here. Uh, he, you know, and and I'm glad. I like this. He is, uh, you know, obviously uh, 
he's lost a lot of faith because of what happened um, with uh, Kylo Ren or Ben or whatever his name is. Um, and so I like that there is a he that he has a significant flaw uh, in a way that um, maybe Obi Wan that didn't by the time a new hope happens. So I, I like that he's not just the old hooded uh, Jedi come out of retirement because I thought that mm-hmm. was what it was going to be. Well, Obi-Wan's flaw was training the kid who went on to kill all the Jedi. So yeah, but that's well, still more they, they, like, they both, and they both, they both share that to a certain extent. So he's, he's the, you know, one is the, is, is the master of, of Anakin. The other is the master of Kylo Ren. So the idea that he, but but as but I think it might be interesting for to see Luke. I'm sure they're going to do something but, great where Luke is a re- reluctant but, reluctant teacher. But picture picture Obi Wan the first time we see him at, in A New Hope. He mm-hmm. isn't nearly as dark and down, no. uh, and and lost faith the way that uh, uh, Luke looks in those that last minute of The Force Awakens. Yeah, you know that's what I'm. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we've kind of hit our hour here. Um, uh, Brian, you said you maybe weren't as enthusiastic about like the general look of the film and the production design as you'd hoped. I, I, re- I think that's one of the things that George Lucas is really good at, you know, is having a group of artists working upstairs at the ranch and just saying, just getting this, he just he almost comes in with this feeling of like, yes, no, yes, no, maybe. And he can see it right in a, in a minute, what this is. The the two to, to give you a good example of bad production design, when Finn approaches two other people inside of Mas Kanata's place to, to try to get uh, you know passage to the outer rim, one of these one of these characters is looks like he's got this it's this weird kind of robotic head sort of thing with almost like it's uh, I can't tell what it is but just the design of that character and some of the other ones I saw I was like this isn't that good you know and the character that Ray has to meet when she's, when she's trying to trade, uh, you know, trade objects she finds on the star yeah. destroyer for other stuff like that. There's some design elements like that, that I saw some of them are really good. You know, the Ray's speeder, you know, in my mind, that's half of a pod racer, you know, that she repurposed. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a pod racer engine. I'm sure he would say, no, it's not. But, uh, but some of the production design is good. Some of it, I don't, I don't like so you much, know, but um, maybe this is a little bit more just like, uh, coming up a story and not so much production design, but I thought some of this, like uh, just the the idea of having um, having this uh, big chase sequence between the Falcon and those Tie Fighters in like through you know uh, destroyed Star Destroyers that had crashed on a planet. I mean that that was that was pretty that's cool. awesome. That yeah, is, that was, that was a really awesome. cool idea. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit easier for me to kind of. I think it's easier to kind of dismiss that because we've been we've had that for a while. That wasn't a surprise mm-hmm. in the movie. We've had that from the trailers for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's the kind of stuff that I see, and I think I can see JJ sitting there going, "Oh man, you know what would be cool? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's fly the Falcon through there." Yeah. You know, so I think that kind of stuff he's good at coming up with those kind of set pieces. And there's a little yeah. bit of design in there. But you're right. You know, there was love him or hate him. There was a look to the prequels. That was unique and consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you didn't mm-hmm. like it, you knew what that look was, and it, and it and leads up to the other films. And maybe you didn't quite. Maybe I didn't quite walk out of the Force Awakens having such a concrete, specific visual uh, aesthetic in mind. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the score earlier. You know, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing. It's, it's not it's, his um, strong suit. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. on Star Trek either. It's yeah. just not his strong suit. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no, I, there, there are no new aliens in the prequel and in, in the Force Awakens. No new spaceships that don't have their roots in the original trilogy. 
that really stuck out. I mean, there's you know, nothing like a Darth Maul, instantly recognizable character, or even a General Grievous from Revenge of the Sith. I and mean, Maz Kanata is maybe the closest. You don't think uh, that Kylo Ren a is, a, is a cool looking, is a, is a unique looking so, character? Kylo Ren, I, I think Kylo Ren's cool, but, but he's very simple. Uh-huh. He, well, he's also he's also a Darth Vader fanboy, and he's basically a, a, a stylized, a restylized Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. The mask has a Darth Vader look. So, and, and that, so it's a cool design, but I think yeah. it's very it very deliberately mimics Vader. And same thing for the stormtrooper armor. Um, mm-hmm. BB, well, I should say BB Eight is a brilliant piece of production design. Yeah, yeah, and that that is that is going to become a, that is already iconic. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that you're right. That that's been. Uh, that's the only example fast. I can think of from the whole film. You're right. You're right. And there's nothing that I look at. Like before, I was like, I, I, when Anakin's pod, I wanted Anakin's pod as a toy. When uh, the the um, the Jedi starfighters from Episode Two were really cool and unique, and the Jedi interceptor from Revenge of the Sith was really cool and unique. And there's a lot of cool vehicles there. And there's <laughs> so what nothing... you're saying is, uh, JJ doesn't think about <laughs> toy sales as much as George did. All contrary. There's actually a really funny. Um, if you follow some of the uh, uh, the toy blogs, there's a really inter- funny controversy going on now because there is an action figure, uh, one of the six inch action figures called Constable Zuvio, and it was really heavily promoted. Oh, yeah. And there are even promotional images of the character from the film, and you see the character with two of his deputies, and then there's a short story released that you could buy, and on on a, electronically about this character and nobody knows where he is in the film. Nobody's seen him. He's <laughs> yeah. apparently, I, I saw that on the shelf actually up. after I saw the movie and I was like, who the hell is this guy? I'm just assuming yeah. that was a deleted scene. Cause JJ did say there's like yeah. 20 minutes of deleted scenes that yeah. he's probably going to put on a Blu-ray. Yeah. Well, but, it. but it, I can see how it leaves that taste in your mouth of like, you know, we knew who Aura Singh was before Phantom Menace came out and she was a bounty hunter and yeah. she was a force sensitive bounty hunter and she didn't have the line of dialogue. She had, she's in one shot, not one scene. She's in one shot, one but she's everywhere uh, in the, uh, in the, in the novels and the, yeah. Yeah. animated series and stuff later on so well, stuff remember, like that i remember by link coming down to the to the uh, episode three line to to take pictures with all of us and yeah. uh yeah mm. she's not in the movie <laughs> yeah by ling by ling should never have done that playboy cover and that's mm. why i think she got cut out of that <laughs> well um before i let you guys go uh well you know what real fast um it sounds like we all kind of we all thought this was a good movie and we all liked it and for me that means i'm excited about the, the future of star wars movies um mm-hmm. is it, we're all kind of thinking that i mean everybody liked this movie yeah i i, I really like it can, can do we have time to mention one more thing that yeah, we haven't yeah. mentioned that's really important uh is that there's something that's great that i think jj and and uh, whoever did this is not a george lucas thing Somebody brought some really interesting element that's never, ever, ever, ever been done in Star Wars, at least in the features before. And that's the idea of the lightsaber as the Ring of Sauron and that a lightsaber could actually have emotion oh, yeah. and have stuff to it. And when she touched it and had that, that, that Lord of the Rings type thing, when she touched it and she's in Cloud City, she touches the lightsaber and yeah. automatically she's in Cloud City and you can hear Luke screaming. And apparently we've learned this week that that's Ewan McGregor's voice is actually in there. A new, yeah. new line he recorded. That is amazing. That, that everything well, I didn't is hear this about Ewan. what now? They, apparently there's a, there's a line of there's, Yoda has a, there's a, you hear Luke Skywalker screaming. There's a, you hear a line from Yoda and then you hear a line from Obi-Wan and someone online asked 
the guy who does the voice of Kenobi on the Clone Wars, was that you? And he said, yeah, it was me originally. And then they replaced me with Ewan McGregor. So Ewan McGregor has a line in that, in that film. And, and just to say that th- that was a brilliant move, something I've never seen happen before. Everything related to the Jedi and the Force is my favorite thing about Star Wars. And every time they handled it in this film, it was done very, very, very well, even though there's a lot less of it than there is in the prequels. There's, every time they handle it, they're really well, and they added something new. I've never seen anybody like have touch touch an object before and have a force connection. That was amazing, and then have yeah. a, and then have a hallucination. Beautiful. I definitely had a real sense that JJ has has an understanding about the Jedi and and an interest in that whole mythology. And just to just to reuse this, just to look back on those movies and say, you know what, that lightsaber when his hand gets cut off, we're gonna. That's coming back, you know. That that awesome. had to go somewhere. That that is, that is really really cool. You know? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Not about that. Although I a little bit creepy, trying to imagine somebody like taking it out of the severed hand. Maybe <laughs> no. Well, when it knocked against the walls inside and it hit the wind vane, they broke apart. It fell out of the hand. I think. In the hand. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Someone uh, else has the hand. That's what's scary. Yeah. yeah that's what we'll see next time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So this is uh, this podcast is going into a, a larger podcast, and one of the things that we're just, we always like to talk about during our our holiday anything goes episode is our favorite movie of the year. So just really fast, Dom and Brian, uh, tell us what your favorite movie this year is, and if it isn't Mad Max, tell us why you're wrong. <laughs> um, I guess I can go first. I I, I really enjoyed Ex Machina. Um, just really, have you seen it? It's literally sitting in front of me, and I okay. the disc is, and I haven't All watched right. it. I invited Brian to watch it. He was working. I didn't watch it that night, so I haven't seen it. But it's it's so as high on my list as it could be. I'll just talk about it in a non-spoiler way. Yeah. It's a it's a brilliant science fiction piece um, about artificial intelligence. You'll recognize some actors from Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Uh, great performances. What I really what it, what really impressed me is that. It talks about artificial intelligence and natural language processing at a very high level. And I've actually done some some of this work. So I, I caught the terminology, but it also manages to convey it in a very accessible manner, including to my 80-year-old Italian grandmother who barely speaks English. Mm-hmm. And um, just, a, just a very thoughtful, well-done film. Cool. Uh, Brian? I think that you know, Mad Max is probably uh, Fury Road is probably my my favorite film from the year. I, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I've watched it. It's, it holds up when I watch it. But I, I would I would be remiss if I didn't say that my favorite thing this year wasn't Mad Max. It was the marketing behind Force Awakens, which is something I've never seen before. I've seen I've witnessed the marketing campaigns for all these films. I'm in film advertising, so I'm really interested in this sort of thing. And I thought the marketing behind Phantom Menace was brilliant but nothing compared to this where there was somebody getting uh everywhere you looked not and i don't and i'm not talking about the licensing marketing that went over the top there's way too many licensed products and once i started to see the cars and the subway commercials this month after seeing it months and months and months of new commercials but seeing somebody got the actors everywhere i mean everywhere you look they were on every single television program and every podcast and Serious XM radio shows, they were amazing. So the, the best thing I think I've seen in film this year isn't just the movie, it's the marketing of this film, which was awesome. I gotta ask, was it really necessary? Wouldn't this movie have done bananas uh, if it hadn't? Well, I think that that's, that's the brilliance of Disney is that they didn't, there's not a lot of paid advertising. 
And this is the same thing happened with Phantom Menace. They didn't have to spend a lot of money on advertising. All they had to do was put people out there and put product out there and let the and let that advertise itself. Yeah, so, I'm sure the talent that, was contractually that, obligated he, to do it, so that didn't really cost them anything. Sure, right? and, and but but also is it when you're saying is there awareness for it? If you don't, you even yes, there's awareness for it, and everybody knows it's coming. But if you don't follow that up with massive advertising, it makes the film feel smaller. So it almost yeah. has to be everywhere you look in order for because you because what they're not selling they're not selling the film they're selling the hype around the film this is the yeah. biggest movie the biggest movie yeah. you have to see it you have to see it opening weekend they there was a, more people that saw it because of that than they were worried about what happened to Luke Skywalker I think yeah and if I could just butt in there it it really became an event even even in, in my family uh, siblings cousins who never saw the Star Wars movies. All of a sudden said, hey, Don, let's do a Star Wars marathon so I can be part of this event so I know what's going on. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's become a generational thing. So Is this the first time the works? president's ever mentioned Star Wars as something I'm going to see and not just as a, as a reference? I mean, I'm Obama pretty sure Reagan said, mentioned it. No, I'm but he, sure. mentioned it, he mentioned it, at, but I don't think he mentioned, like, <laughs> I'm leaving to go see Star Wars. <laughs> I, know, I know it was definitely screened at the Reagan White House. Uh, at yeah. least one of the movies, but yeah. Does Force Awakens? Okay, final final question, very fast. Does Force Awakens work as a movie for someone who's never seen a Star Wars movie? No, I don't think so. Hmm. I mean, so much so much of it depends on knowing Han, Luke, and Leia, and so much of it depends on those references to the original trilogy. There is a lot of retreading of the original trilogy. I think a lot of it's brilliantly done. But you won't get, for example, the trash compactor joke if you haven't seen A New Hope. So yeah. I just, I, th- I think it's really you have to see the, at least episodes four, five, and six. This movie is trying to win back people that they feel like they lost, mm. and they're doing that specifically by having everything tied to the original trilogy. The word Anakin isn't even mentioned once, right? I mean, he's he talks grandfather Darth Vader. She says you're scared to never be as powerful as Darth Vader. I never mentioned Anakin once. That guy is Darth Vader, as far as we know it, going yeah. on out through the trilogy. So, yeah, cool. Well, thank you guys so much, so much, so I cannot thank you guys enough for joining us for this really fun conversation. Uh, the second the movie was over, all I wanted to do was talk to you guys about it. So I'm really glad that we were able to uh, to make this happen. So um, again, uh, you can find uh, Brian's work uh, at uh, doubleplusgood.com. And um, Dominique's blog is uh, domnardireviews.wordpress.com. Um, so thanks again, guys. And uh, Thank you. you guys have a happy holiday. You too. Thanks Thank a lot. You too. That was so much fun to record. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed uh, recording it. So we're going to be back in two weeks with our you know, normal episode. Uh, in fact, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're going to be finishing out Enterprise's mm-hmm. second season. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll be doing that in two weeks. Looking forward to that. Um, once again, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Hanukkah, wh- wh- whatever you celebrate, I hope it goes awesome. And we thank you so much for listening to us every couple of weeks. You know, uh, I often say this, or maybe I just do it once a year, but we don't do this for money. Um, we do it because we love talking to each other and we love talking about Star Trek. And I'm, I'm grateful that um, we've been able to do it all these years. Uh, and I'm really, I love that, that 
that Steve and Adam continue to uh, <laughs> find time in their schedules to come back to this every two weeks um, because I look forward to it. And everybody who listens to our podcast, I love each and every one of you too, and I mean it. So thank you again. Happy holidays. And uh, see you next time. Bye, guys. See you. Stefan, I passed it.